An NYPD cop is approached by a mysterious black-suited man who invites him to be the newest member of a global organization that monitors alien activity on planet Earth. Meanwhile, a dangerous alien bug has landed on Earth with designs of global conquest in the 1997 sci-fi action comedy Men in Black. I'm Connor Izagari, and this is Filmgasm. Welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. We've got a very special episode for you today. I'm joined today by a super special guest, my cousin, Maja Pierce-Lewis. She's a big film buff and a horror fan. I'm excited to introduce her to y'all. So, Maja, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and why you love movies? Yeah, well, thanks, Connor, for having me on, first of all. Um, really glad to be here. Happy to be doing this with you. Um, I guess I just love movies because, I don't know, it just it's it gets you into another world. It's similar to, like, reading books, you know what I mean? But when you're watching on film, um, sure, you're being presented the story as you know it's unfolding before you in a screen but also it kind of gives you leeway to kind of guess a little bit what could happen next how are things going to unfold just a little bit like reading a book um so it just I love being immersed in films I love how people use graphics how people can really illustrate a story and and kind of bend it and mend it in different ways um that maybe a book can't do and you can do it visually too so the visual aspect right there is really strong for me um but yeah i love films it just gets you creative gets you thinking gets you talking it could be provocative um it could be sad it just provokes emotions in you so it's just it's a whole culmination of stuff why i love film but um yeah but glad to be here and happy to be talking about this one yeah very well said i love you know storytelling is one of the most powerful things we can do as a culture and film is a medium that a lot more people have access to and allows for so many different types of stories to be told from all sorts of cultures, from all sorts of languages, from all sorts of mindsets, religious back, uh, backgrounds. It's anything goes. And I love exploring culture through the lens of film. And yeah. it's a big part of why I did, you know, started this podcast because I love talking about all this shit. And it's, I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. Uh, and Men in Black has always been one of my favorite movies. It's one of my you know favorite sci-fi movies. And uh, I remember watching this when I was a kid and just enjoying, you know, being freaked out by Edgar the Bug and loving <laughs> the whole idea of like space cops, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this one's been in my repertoire for quite some time. Uh, do you remember like how long have you known about Men in Black? Uh, since I was a kid, too, I, I can't even tell you the last time, aside from like rewatching it for the show, <laughs> um, when I watched it, honestly. Um, so when you mentioned it as one of the the movies we'd be reviewing, um, initially I was like, oh, do I want to do that one? Maybe I want to do something different, maybe a newer one. But then I started watching it and all the nostalgia came back. It was just like a rush of all these all these memories. I knew exactly where I was when I was watching it, what I was eating, what I was smelling, all the stuff. So it's it's a big part of like us growing up and then just like 90s cultures, 90s movies just hit differently. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I totally agree. The 90s action movie is a like stuck in time thing that yeah. did not come before, did not come after. It's very specific to that decade. I don't know why yeah. I, it's the actors involved. It's the filmmaking techniques. It's the music. It's something. 
but it's very specific. And Men in Black is right smack dab in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had this on tape. Like I had this on VHS when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember that. I remember rewinding this thing and like fast forwarding some of the Edgar scenes because I was, what it was like, uh, two when this came out. So early 2000s, I had this. So yeah, I was like freaked out. But like when Edgar like pulls his face back and shit like that, I'm like, there's a lot <laughs> for a child. I can't watch that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also speaking of that, being a lot for a kid, I know there we're going to get into it later, but like there's a scene where... Um... <laughs> Where's just casual domestic violence just pitched to kids? I was like, oh, okay, that's great. So I didn't realize that until I rewatched it. I was like, oh, that's what was going on. That's fine. We normalize it. It's okay. It perfectly <laughs> sets up us to not be that sad when Edgar gets, you know, half eaten and turned into a bug. It's like, oh, okay, well, he's a bastard. So sure, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. what happens. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's like a cautionary tale. Like, don't be an asshole or you're going to be a bug. Yeah, well... Did that stop a lot of our generation, though, from becoming assholes? I like to think it stopped somebody. Okay, that's a good. I like the positivity. We're going to take that. <laughs> there you go. Oh, boy. Um, so to get the conversation flowing, um, my question to you, we we start out with a, you know, theme, thematically connected question to the movie, usually. Uh, basically, do you believe in the existence of extraterrestrials? See, look, <laughs> this is a tricky one because yes and no. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's the logical brain because I, it's funny, I'll default and believe in spirits for sure. You know what I mean? Like I can't do demon stuff because I'm like, that's too real for me. But I don't, extraterrestrials, I think I was really into it. X-Files really zapped me in as a kid. Um, and I was like, you know what? Mulder might be right. <laughs> there might be something out there after all. Um and sometimes I still think about it, like how we have certain structures and stuff in the world, uh, like in different like Mayan countries and um, all these other places. And we're trying to figure out how did these things come to be when there wasn't said technology at the time to actually like create those things, um, that those things that we're still preserving now. So in, in that respect, yes. And then also we have Elon Musk, so maybe for sure, because uh, he's not normal at all. Um, but I don't know. I kind of I teeter back and forth. But I I'd like to think that yes, there is something out there. Do they look like men in black characters? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I I think for sure there's something out there. I think that yeah. it's such a vast galaxy, such a vast universe that for us to be the only thing in the infinite cosmos is kind of insane. Yeah. Do I think that they're here and that they've been here? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think that. Anyone who claims to know the answer to that is lying to you to sell something. That's true. Uh, like ancient aliens. I think everyone on that show is full of shit. <laughs> everyone there who's like, oh, yeah, well, of course, aliens came and invented the samurai sword. Like, no, shut up. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But if, you know, I, I think something out there probably does exist. I don't know if they're capable of space travel or if they even, you know, if they're aware of us. Yeah. But uh, one day, one day, yeah. there'll be contact. Do you uh, think we'll ever, like, contact them first since we're doing all this talk of space travel to Mars and stuff? Uh, maybe. I, I think it'll be more like uh, they'll show up and we'll freak the hell out. Or we will, or we just won't care. That, too. Like, yeah. we might think it's some, you know, Super Bowl halftime joke or something. 
uh, I'd like to think we don't like piss them off and start a, start a war, but I don't know. That's It'll be fascinating. I love t- thinking about that. Like you mentioned the X-Files, like I, that was one of my favorite shows too. And uh, I thought the way they handled, you know, the idea of colonization, I thought they handled that very well. Um, my favorite thing about the X-Files was that Mulder believed in everything. Like yeah. it's an alien, it's a ghost, it's a Mexican goat man, it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as it was religious, Scully was like, it's God. And Mulder was like, bullshit, God's not real. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, that's true. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I, that that always got me. But I think at one point he he ended up believing, kind of, sort of, near the end. Maybe a little bit. In God, I I think he was just humoring Scully. Mm, that's fair. He started to believe a bit towards the end of the show in Aliens, but I don't know. The end of the show is so murky. <laughs> the last few seasons of that show were gone. And then the reboot that they had. Ugh. It was so bad. <laughs> sorry. You can't redo the classic. I'm sorry. Yeah. The fucking guy from the soup shows up and is like, hey, <laughs> everything you did through the past, the past nine seasons, that was a lie. This is the real conspiracy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> really? It's pretty garbage. So. Yeah. Oh, good show, though. So, Men in Black. Uh, this film was based on the Marvel comic of the same name that was later sold to Malibu Comics. Uh, people tend to forget Men in Black was one of the first Marvel comic book adaptations. Uh, which is pretty cool. Oh, I did. I forgot. So yeah, it's it was a very <laughs> it's a small comic. Didn't really sell that much. Was sold to Malibu. So then, like Blade came out the next year, and that became like the the first Marvel movie. Mm. So got overshadowed. But this, I mean, in terms of comic book, like this was way more successful than Blade. Yeah. But you know, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld was chosen to direct after his success with the Adams Family and its sequel, Adams Family Values. The producers wanted a kind of darkly comic tone to the movie, so Sonnenfeld was a safe bet. Definitely paid off. He ended up directing uh, the first three films hmm. and uh, and Wild Wild West, but we don't talk about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think he did a good job. I I, I like the the Adams Family one and two. I've seen those; they're pretty good. Um. Hmm. And this definitely has that kind of dark comic tone. Somebody described it as like the French connection with aliens. <laughs> Pretty good. <I> can... <laughs> uh, it was Sonnenfeld who chose to set the film in New York as he felt New Yorkers would likely be fairly tolerant of aliens living among them if they found out. It's like the only city where people would be just be like, yeah, he's from Mars. Who fucking cares? You're right. Get out the street. Like... <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I was watching uh, the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie for another podcast. It was god awful. <laughs> there's a scene. It's terrible. There's a scene where uh, one of the turtles is like running past a cab in New York City, and the passenger in the cab's like, "What was that?" And the cabbie's like, "Looked like some giant turtle wearing a coat." <laughs> You're going to LaGuardia, right? Like, just, <laughs> like it's New York, you know, whatever. Yeah, anything goes. And if he's going to LaGuardia, he's going to see a lot more weird shit, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been to New York a couple times, and it, it is a strange place. I could never live there, but it's a it's a neat place to go. It's yeah. very much like every culture on Earth crammed into one island. Yeah, and it's just like this, I'm maybe that it does make sense to have a movie like this set in New York, because there's just so much stuff going on all the time. 
So you're kind of, it's easy to blend in these crazy alien scenes, chase scenes, people getting blown up and stuff and kind of be like, oh, but it's New York. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You could blast an alien gun into a truck in the middle of a crowded street and people would just kind of be like, ah, that was yeah. weird. Let's take a picture. Well, yeah. <laughs> Um, the original script included an entire subplot with uh, war- warring alien races that the bugs were trying to play against each other. There was the Archilians, who we see in the movie, the little guys inside the human suits. And then there was like, they were called like the Belshans. And they were another race who were like, the bugs were trying to destroy both of them. It was so complex and unnecessary. Made the film too busy. So they cut that out. They managed to... to redub certain lines and change some CGI stuff. So like they just completely cut that out and trimmed it down to just the bugs and the Archilians, which was really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be too busy. Because there was already a lot going on with the, with everything else, all the action. So. Yeah, exactly. This is, you know, it's Jay learning how to be a man in black. That's really what this is about. Everything else is kind of secondary. So when you've got this, you know, giant alien war in the background, it's just like, what am I supposed to be paying attention to? Yeah. The, uh, the novelization of the film kept it, though. So if you ever want to know the details of that, you can you can read it, apparently. Really cool. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones was cast as Agent K, the veteran agent, which is just perfect casting. Yeah, great job. Yeah, I, ble- I believe... He did the movie, I think, honestly. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I love just, you know, the opening when he's, you know, INS Division 6, just lying to them. They're like, what Division 6? He's like, what, you never heard of this? <laughs> Just, he's, he bullshits for a living. It's it's great. But you would never know. Exactly. I mean, yeah, the men in black could totally exist. We could, we could have met them. How would we know? We got neuralized. Right. <laughs> and then he'll take your memory. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, relative film newcomer Will Smith was cast as Agent J, the rookie. Prior to this, uh, Smith had had back-to-back box office success with Bad Boys and Independence Day. But I'd say it was arguably Men in Black that kind of propelled him to box off a superstar. And everyone was like, look out for this guy. And then Men in Black happened and they were like, oh, okay, he's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I miss when we were allowed to like Will Smith. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was watching this, I was like, at least he didn't slap anybody. <laughs> Some people were safe. Like, <laughs> oh, jeez. I'll never live that long. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. No, that was a career destroying moment. I've never seen one happen in real time before. And it was like, wow. Yeah. And then I watched uh, Chris Rock's Netflix special where he kind of went out, talked about it. And that was just vicious. Yeah. I mean, that was over a year, right. Of holding that in. So yeah. yeah. I mean, he held onto it. He, you know, fought back in his own way and came out on top, Mm -hmm. but what a, what a crazy thing. I, He's Smith's going to keep trying. I mean, you know, he's still a box office draw. I mean, King Richard was a was a success. I think Emancipation did well for Apple, but no one's gonna, he's going to be connected to that forever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the '90s, you know, he was the Fresh Prince, and he did Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black, Enemy of the State, and then he did Wild Wild West, and everyone was like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> he chose that. <laughs> Hmm? It's a little like, like most of his choices. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's bad at making decisions. Yeah, <laughs> I think he has an impulse problem. Uh, he chose Wild Wild West over the Matrix. He was. They wanted him to play Neo in the Matrix, and he went, "No, no, no! I want to be a cowboy." 
Wow. Career destroying right there. It could have been for anybody else. It could have been, but he was like, no, no. What, what came out immediately? It had to be men in black too. Or uh, Ali. I think it was. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. That was his redemption, but I don't know. I don't know about now. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe it has to be a, a men in black, like what five? Cause is there one with like Tessa Thompson and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That one. I still haven't seen that because I heard it was horrendous. Yeah. I love Tessa, but I just, not that, not that. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, I think um, him and Martin Lawrence are ramping up Bad Boys 4 as like, that'll be the redemption movie. What, they're going to be in the rest home? Like, what <laughs> What else can you do? <laughs> they all, their knees hurt. They got joint pain. What are you doing? I... Too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, would it be any different with Men in Black Five, where they're just like he's oh. the, the old vet now trying to find a replacement. Actually, I mean, that's true. Actually, that's a bitch. Yeah, that could work. I guess no originality anymore, but anyway, <laughs> there isn't. But I mean, at some point, you kind of kind of just go with it, otherwise, you can't enjoy anything anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, um, Men in Black has an IMDb score of 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes score of 91%. Critics' consensus reads. Thanks to a smart script, spectacular set pieces, and charismatic performances from its leads, Men in Black is an entirely satisfying summer blockbuster hit. And I agree with that. It's a fun movie. It's, an, it's clearly a franchise starter. It, yeah. It's fun. It propelled Smith to superstardom, gave Tommy Lee Jones a whole new audience, and still holds up. It looks great. It's fun. Smartly written. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> And I think maybe because we were kind of talking about that earlier, how like 90s movies just hit differently. And I think a lot of it had to do with like not only really good stories and storylines and just like throughout the entirety of the film, but then choosing the best actors to actually fulfill those roles. Like it really brings the story to life. So it kind of solidifies like how good it how good it is to watch it, how good it like the flow of the story as well. Um, and so I think this one really did a good job at that. Um and it's, it's also kind of a standalone, you know what I mean? Like it could definitely be a spinoff, which it has been, but then also like the first movie, it's like, it could just be complete in and of itself. And that's, that's kind of rare sometimes these days, like to, to be so good, it can be itself or be extended, you know? So. Yeah, I agree. At least in the nineties, there, there was room for originality. You know, people were starting a lot of franchises, which meant, you know, a lot of standalone cool movies that could be its own thing. And yeah, Men in Black definitely has that. Uh, none of the sequels really live up. Uh, two is kind of shit. Three is pretty good, but it's not this. Right. Yeah. I like that. Like, I, you know, I look at movies like Speed and Con Air and, you know, Face Off, a lot of Nicolas Cage stuff. Just, <laughs> just working, just holding up and being its, itself, but also being stuck in the 90s. Yeah. It's something I'd love to explore further at some point. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things in this movie that reminded me of some other like 90s films. And we'll we can talk about that later. But it's just it's just I don't know. That was just a time. <laughs> it was a time and a place. And it's just it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was, you know, there were so many people who were starting their careers and were doing were willing to take a lot of chances in early days of their career. So really just taking what they could get and you get crazy sh- like Vincent D'Onofrio as an alien bug. Yes, absolutely. But to, like now, I don't know if he'd be willing to take that kind of a risk. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
I guess maybe that that's probably what lent to some of the passion in the roles too. Cause it, it just, the emotion in it seemed different. Like they, they fully embodied these characters. Um, so I think that made it more real for the audience. And then you kind of create that bond to a degree, whether you hate them, love them, kind of in between, like you, you have some buy-in with the character as an audience member. And that changes the, the, the course of the film as you watch it too. So you need your, your character who's rooted in realism, who is just this New York cop who's introduced to this insane world at the same time as you are. So he, Jay is our eyes in this, okay. in the world of the men in black. And you know, that's, you need that. You need an anchor. But I also love that at the core, this is a, a buddy cop movie. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the same beats as a film like 48 hours or lethal weapon. It's just got aliens, yeah. <laughs> which it works. It's a cool like coat of paint on something that we've seen before. Right. Uh, the film was a huge success. It grossed $589 million on a budget of only $90 million, wow. uh, which in the 90s was really good. These days, if you don't gross a billion dollars, you're a failure, which is insane. You can't judge every... You can't judge success by every Marvel movie. You just can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was nominated for three Oscars. It won uh, one Oscar. It won Best Makeup. It was also up for Best Art Direction and Best Original Score. Mm-hmm. Uh Score is very cool. It's Danny Elfman doing his bouncy shit, which always works for me. (laughs) Uh, It spawned a multimedia franchise, including a cartoon spinoff, multiple video games, a resurgence of the comic book, and three sequels, Men in Black 2, Men in Black 3, and Men in Black International, which was so bad, it tanked the franchise. So, (laughs) hate when that happens. They were going to do a spinoff movie with... uh, a crossover with the 21 Jump Street franchise. Interesting. Yeah. Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill were going to join the Men in Black. Okay, that would have been way too much. How would those worlds know. even collide? Hmm? How would those worlds even collide? I don't, I just, uh, well, I mean, the crossover shouldn't happen. <laughs> they're good cops. So naturally, they're approached by the Men in Black who are always looking for new blood. And they're like, hey, how would you like to join? And they join, and there's some alien shenanigans, I guess. I, don't, I think they would have. Considering how meta and entertaining the Jump Street movies are, I think they would have found a very interesting approach to that that I would have liked to That's see. True. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I worry that maybe it would be too too silly, you know? Like, kind of losing the point. I mean, because there was a level of, like, seriousness even in The Men in Black. Though it was for kids, it was supposed to be entertaining. Yeah. Still, like, some some serious notes. And I just feel like it would just be, if it's not done right, it would be too campy. And I I don't know. <laughs> That's true, because we saw in Men in Black 2 how, you know, throwing more camp into this can kind of tank this thing. Yeah. Uh, Men in Black 3 kind of put the seriousness back in a little bit more, and it was a better movie. So, yeah, I can see that. You need you need a balance. If it's too much in either direction, it's not going to work. Yeah. Depends on who's doing it, but... <laughs> That's true. Give it to Barry. I mean, he clearly knows what he's doing with this franchise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, with that, let's look into the movie and uh, give this film some awards. Okay. Um. Uh, we have the Quentin Tarantino Award for the best line or quote of the movie. We have the Thomas Newman Award for the best music moment of the movie. We have the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for the best performance of the movie. And we have the John Carpenter Award for the best scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't you start us out with what you went with the best line? Uh, what do you think is the best quote of this movie? Okay. I'm, I'm honest. It got me. It got my attention. I remember it to this day. It's when Jay was like, I got a little midget cricket. <laughs> he got his mini gun. 
<laughs> that's like the best. That's the best. That is just like top of the line. <laughs> that's top of the line comedy right there. That's like that's like classic Will Smith, like goofy 90s kind of fresh prince Will Smith. Um, honestly, classic black lingo. We make up anything. <laughs> so like we'll make up any word to describe anything, no matter how crazy it sounds. So like that was definitely the I think that summarized uh this whole movie for me is like you get all this stuff and I get this. Like <laughs> that stuck with me. I don't know. <laughs> it's a great line, it's a great moment. I love when he's walking out and he's like, I feel like I'm gonna break this damn thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it ends up breaking him most of the time he was using it. Yeah, so. it's this crazy powerful like laser gun that Kay is terrified of. I love that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, good pick. That's a good scene. That's a good line. <laughs> uh, I went with something a bit more uh, ethereal. Something that's always stuck with me from this movie. I love the way uh, Kay kind of brings this up. It's when Kay's trying to convince James Edwards to take the plunge and join the MIB. And he reveals to him that aliens are real and Edwards is like, so why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. And Kay says, a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that humans were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just perspective. You know, what do we really know about our lives until we're faced with something that completely changes the definition of life itself? I, I love that. And the idea that like, yeah, you can trust a human being to handle a secret, but people on the whole are going to freak the fuck out. Yeah. And yeah, it's something that, you know, you got to think about with this, with a revelation of, of a film like this. And I, I, I've always loved that speech. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, that's a really good one. And it, I remember rewatching it and hearing him say that. And I was like, oh my God, we went through a whole pandemic. <laughs> right. Right. And like that completely exposed all of these things he just said. So <laughs> Yeah. Or and then even honestly to back it up, not to go too too grim, but you know, this was like what 97? It was released then. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this was like before 9-11. You know yeah. what I mean? So like this was on the precipice of like one of the major, like complete milestones. Well, I don't want to say milestone, but like the like, point that really changed the course of American history and the way that we live and interact with each other and view different groups of people as well. So like, I mean this major change that it's a weird foreshadowing that was going on there for me. So yeah, this is one of those pre nine 11 New York movies where the, the twin towers are very visible in the skyline yeah. and just makes you think about that now, which yeah. is unfortunate, but every New York movie prior to nine 11 and that has the twin towers like visible, that's going to come up. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but that's going to come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was bummed that like Kay was so confident that, like 500 years ago, we all thought the earth was flat, that that was going to go away. And regrettably, that is not going away. Back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really sad. Mm-mm. You can't kill stupid. It's contagious. It is. It is. I was watching a, a while ago, I watched this documentary called Behind the Curve that talked about the culture of flat earthers. And mm-hmm. I've never been more pissed off at society in my life because these people believe in this like it's not a joke they really do believe in this yeah and they keep my favorite part about it is they keep paying for experiments to prove them their point and they keep proving the earth is round every single time Mm -hmm. but they'll always be like oh we miscalculated the data we'll get it right next time it's like no it's just wrong (laughs) just just, just wrong 
Just own the yeah. fact that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Ah, yeah. Anytime that comes up, I'm like, oh, flat earthers. I don't hate a lot of people, but I do despise flat earthers with a passion. Yeah. And what about the doomsday preppers? Because, <sighs> and then there are different kinds of doomsday preppers. You know, like they are different subcategories, apparently. So I don't, there was some documentary I was watching um, and the doomsday preppers in South Africa, like are the the white South Africans. Yeah. Um, and they are prepping for like race riots because they believe that the black people, the, the, the black South Africans are going to like start like a race war. So they have like literally an entire routine and they practice the whole scene of like, what if one person of the family gets killed, taken, whatever along the way, then what's the backup plan? It's a whole thing. Like these, a lot of people sincerely believe this and practice it in their daily life. So I don't, I don't know what's worse. <laughs> it's just, so I think that it just kind of comes back to that quote of like people as a whole, we're really stupid. Like we would lose our shit. <laughs> we, we would, we absolutely would. Yeah. Doom, doomsday forever. Depends on the doomsday, I guess. Like, if you're prepping for a race war, you clearly have a lot of demons and are scared of shit you've done in the past. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm just not going to talk to you. But if you're preparing for a zombie apocalypse, you're probably a pretty interesting person. Yeah. <laughs> like, fill me in on the secrets. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where's the bunker? How do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, okay. The Thomas Newman Award. Best music moment. Uh, this has a great score, pretty decent soundtrack. Uh, where, where, where'd you go with this? Okay, so I chose two. Okay. I was really in love with um, the scene where Tommy Lee and Will Smith were in the tunnel, upside down, and the Elvis song was playing. Yeah. I don't know why. That was just, that was funny. And it was, because it was just so, like, crazy. And Tommy, of course, in the whole movie's really chill. <laughs> <laughs> Will, of course, is like freaking out and they're upside down. You're like, sure, this is what it is. <laughs> um, and then I think the the closing, actually, the the closing credits with the Will Smith spinoff of um, the Forget Me Not song. Mm. When I was hearing that, I was like, oh, we're bringing it back. But then also modern and then his crazy, cheesy raps like it just messes it up. So you hear the song and you get excited and then you hear him and you're like, why did you have to do this? <laughs> Very classic Will Smith. It would not be a 90s Will Smith thing without him messing up a good song, you know? I I wish he still did that. I wish he had a rap at the end of every movie he did. I want one at the end of <laughs> Richard. I want one at the end of The Pursuit of Happiness. Everything. Even if it's yeah. <laughs> the vibe of the movie in the slightest. I wish he still did that. Yeah, well. That's good. Yeah, that's Men in Black or Wild Wild West, which has the the better end credits rap song. Well, we will not be talking about Wild Wild West. <laughs> that is just that's the right answer. That is a thing we don't speak of. <laughs> I honestly don't even remember it. So I I'm not gonna lie, I do have a bit of a soft spot for that movie. I all this hate you were given and you secretly loving it. What's up? But when I was a kid, I had a very specific specific genre I loved, which was shitty film remakes of old TV shows. <laughs> Wild Wild West, Lost in Space, My Favorite Martian, Charlie's Angels. I loved all those movies. I don't know why. I never saw the shows. Hmm? You thought it was shitty? <laughs> which one? 
Charlie's Angels? Okay, no, that one's good. That one's good. Okay. Charlie's Angels is a great movie. I, I, yeah, that no, one's but the good. one with Kristen Stewart, maybe not. I didn't see that one. I don't need to see that one. I I know who my angels are, and Kristen Stewart's <laughs> not one of them. Thank you. Okay, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's I'll, I'll watch that movie and not seethe. I, I I can put it on as like background mm-hmm. noise while I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I too went with the Elvis in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song's called Promised Land. I looked that up because I wanted to know, like, it's a great Elvis tune. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it is nice to see Kay kind of just, you know, you get the vibe that, like, for Jay, this is saving the world. For Kay, this is Tuesday. Right. <laughs> and this is just him. This is going to work music, yeah. which is awesome. I love that. And him just kind of like, bam, 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 like, <laughs> you know, getting into it <laughs> upside down. And I love the immortal line, you know, you do know Elvis is dead, right? Like, no, Elvis is not dead. He just went home. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a great yeah. moment. Uh, I nearly went with the opening credit score. I love how kind of weirdly menacing and kind of creepy the opening music is. It really kind of sets the tone for like, what kind of movie am I about to watch here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could agree. Yeah. There's a lot of good, good musical moments in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Philip Seymour Hoffman Award, the best performance. Which performance wins this movie? Okay. So obviously Tommy Lee, I, like I said earlier, I don't know a few minutes ago, like he just carried the movie for me. Um, I just think his demeanor, um, kind of some of his stoic moments, but also kind of like letting loose a little bit, especially in the middle kind of end of the film. And, but then getting a little bit more sentimental, wanting to be back with his girlfriend, all that stuff. Um, he just was the rock of it for me. And even more like Will Smith was kind of like a secondary character to me. I don't yeah. know. That's just my opinion. Um, and his humor and kind of aloofness and his hastiness kind of orbited around Tommy. So I really, really like that. Um, but then second, I call, I don't know his, I forget his name, but I call him the thug pug, the little pug at the bodega. <laughs> he was shaky. I call him the thug pug. <laughs> I love that. I love pugs. So the fact that I'm seeing like little grumpy man kind of hood guy, <laughs> As a pie, it was great. I loved it. Oh, um, yeah, Frank is funny. <laughs> I like I like him. Yep. That's funny. I <laughs> I do this was I I think this or Batman Forever was my introduction to Tommy Lee Jones. And I had a feeling like, oh, that's a very serious gentleman. And I was right. But um, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that he's you know I I watched some outtakes from this film and from part two, and it's weird. He and Will Smith really got along. Like oh, in real life. Yeah. The chemistry was real because they actually were they worked well together. Like during the outtakes, like Will Smith kept making him laugh and stuff. Like it's real, which is hilarious because like compared to Batman Forever, Tommy Lee wanted to strangle Jim Carrey because he hated <laughs> it so much. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 nice to see a grumpy guy like Tommy Lee Jones kind of let loose and get to have some fun. Yeah. Um I love that the roles are switched in Men in Black 2 where Jay is now the seasoned vet and Kay is the new guy trying to figure out what the hell's going on. We get to see that for a bit. But to me, the standout of this film is Vincent D'Onofrio as Edgar the Bug. Mm. (laughs) He is The way he's just walking around like he's a giant insect trying to figure out how a human being moves. It's it's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. His creepy, like, gravelly voice, 
the way he's yeah. always like holding his head it's so unnerving and so well done i get why this film won best makeup at the oscars yeah it's great i love i love his introduction of just you know don't take that away i'm eating that damn it like just such an yeah. asshole <laughs> I, it's, I love his performance i yeah it's creepy it's unnerving it's hilarious and it, it's unforgettable. Like he was the gold standard for villains in this franchise. No one else ever came close. For sure. And uh, he's always been one of my favorite character actors anyway. And this is my favorite role of his. So shout out to Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. <laughs> we love when you pull your face back. We love that. <laughs> yeah. I, ew, so, so freaky. I love when he's in the car, like just freaking out because rigor mortis is setting in. <laughs> he's trying to move around again. And every time we see him, the body's a little more rotten. Yeah. <laughs> a little more stiff. Yep. <laughs> it's like a Frankenstein character. That's what it started reminding me of. Yeah. It's, I love that his wife was kind of just like, something was weird, but she wasn't entirely convinced until he pulled his face back. He's just like, maybe he's just drunk or something. Like, she has to deal with this guy's shit a lot. So I feel like this was just like, what now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I love Rip Torn as Zed, the you know the leader of the of this particular unit of Men in Black. He's just this. He's got this like you know the cop, like the, the captain in a cop movie thing going on, where he's just you know we got a we got a runner down on Fifth. Go take care of it. Just he, he's great. I've always loved Rip Torn. He's such a strange human being, but <laughs> I liked him in, in movies like this. Yeah. Uh, all right, the John Carpenter Award, the best scene of the movie. Uh, yeah, what do you got there? So I have two. Um, I love the opening scene. I think like you were saying earlier about scores and how like the score really set the tone for the film. I Likewise, I think in addition to that, the opening scene, it is, very, I don't know, for me, very nostalgic, very classic 90s opening kind of scene. Um, you kind of get the story. You're like, okay, this seems like one way, but where are we going with this kind of thing? And then that's when all the crazy shit starts to unfold. Yeah. So just that whole segment of like them getting kind of these, these kind of like transient people out and be like, where are you going? And then the whole interaction of learning about the men in black, but not fully still knowing what they are yet. I love that. The opening scene was great. I think this is like one of my favorite opening scenes of of a lot of 90 movies that I've seen, honestly, and most memorable for me. Um, so I think that's where the nostalgic factor came in, because I'm like, I remember exactly where I was when I was doing this, when I was watching that. Um, so definitely that one. And I think the UFO crash scene, like when that alien first landed and he, the truck that he was talking about, he was like, the only thing that I have in my life is this truck. And then it got destroyed. And as a cow was just casually just move. <laughs> I think I love that scene. That's like one of my one of my favorite scenes in the film. For sure. I love that this like, you know, Midwest farmer dude, like a UFO crashes in his yard, destroys his truck. He walks up to it <laughs> with a shotgun. Here's a very scary voice. Tell him to lower the gun. He's like, you can have my gun. You pry it for my dead fingers. He's like, OK. And just <laughs> pulls him into the fucking hole. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Right. But then also not. Also funny because you're like, you deserved it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, the opening is fantastic. I love the whole, you know, illegal alien double meaning here. That's that's done very well. Uh, I always get a I always get a chuckle 
when the coyote gets pulled over and the, the border cops like, oh, hey, Nick the dick. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the history implied in that sentence. I, I love it. <laughs> And yeah, just, you know, Mikey and the going after, you know, the, the, the lie that he gets the border cops to believe, you know, you're lucky to be alive after a blast like that. It's all done so well. And it gets tells you everything you need to know at that moment about the men in black. And yeah, I think it's a, a great opener. Great opener. Uh, I remember one time when I was a kid, this they showed this on Cartoon Network. Uh Edited for, yeah, it was edited for TV. So like they cut out a lot of the, a lot of it, but I'm like, this is they shouldn't be showing this on Cartoon Network. No. No. Yeah. There are also sh- a lot of shows on Cartoon Network that shouldn't have been. So Yeah. Yeah. That's a conversation for another time. But like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, wow, that I, that went deep in the memory well. I forgot about that. Oh, I remember it was they showed that and then they showed Dumb and Dumber once. Which was I do not remember that. <laughs> I remember thinking like for the adult one, like you know, because it was like kids in the yeah, morning. It was not Adult Swim. It was like middle of the day <gasps> Cartoon Network. I remember that because I remember thinking this is strange. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I said the kids will get it. They'll get it. It's fine. <laughs> they understand. Yeah. Um, I ultimately went with the the final fight between J.K. and Edgar when Edgar, you know, pulls off the skin and we get to see the bug and Jay fights the bug. I love that, especially when, you know, he starts killing cockroaches and Edgar's like, oh my God, what are you doing? (laughs) I love that. He's just like, the look on Edgar's face of like, complete shock and horror. It's it's so great. You know, K gets fucking eaten alive. Mm. It's such a bonkers fight scene and really just like sticks the landing for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, very sure. fun. <laughs> um, are there any other scenes that uh, that you considered that like were uh, particularly memorable? Any moments? Mm. I'm trying to think. Well, definitely. I I don't know the pug scene. I don't know that really got to me. I just I love the pug thing. That's just <laughs> that's just me. Um, I think another good scene was probably near the end. Kind of like when they were wrapping up in Agent J's now with new chick, yeah. Laurel Weaver. I don't know what she would go by her agent name. I think um, in two, it's mentioned that she's Agent L now. Okay, yeah. I was going to assume. Um, so yeah, so when they're kind of like taking over, um, but Agent J sees that like Agent K is like happy and content. He's kind of living that retired life, if you will. And is just being with people who he loves and kind of getting out of that monotonous like job kind of you know space that he's been in of like whatever I'm just saving the world killing aliens like he can finally put that to rest Um, I don't know it's just I think that's another nostalgic 90s wrap-up element to films of this era Um, it's like you start off with this crazy stuff and then by the end you're like you know what I'm throwing in the towel so it's just (laughs) I don't know and maybe that's kind of the setup for our lives at this point because i'm ready to throw in many towels but <laughs> oh my god i've been in give up mode for at least 10 years and you're right <laughs> so oh. definitely some influence there but i think that was it was just heartwarming and i i think again kind of in that weird duality of yes this is a wrap-up for this movie and it can end solely on its own but then also it could be the setup for the next one which it kind of was but you know 
I love that the best lie they could come up with for why Kay didn't remember the like last 30 years of his life was that he was in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's the best they could do. <laughs> I feel like that was Jay fucking with him. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is the initial MIB test for new applicants. Mm. We got like an army ranger, Marine, Navy SEAL, NYPD. And uh, they're just in the room, you know, and Jay is the only one who's figuring out what's going on here. All the other guys are just trying to, you know, be the, the best of the best, which I love that. And the actual test was like, use the table. <laughs> <laughs> and they all failed. <laughs> Except Jay, who just the, sh- the like shriekiness of the table scratching the floor. I've always loved that because everyone's just looking at him like, oh, <laughs> failed. Uh, and then the shooting range thing where he shoots the little girl and totally defends it. <laughs> and then everyone else is like, all right, child killer. Like, what's going on over here? And Zed's yeah, like, well, just, you see a little girl with quantum physics books walking through a bad neighborhood, you shoot her in the face. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know she has no good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, this movie's, I, I love the alien birth scene where Jay has to help the squid lady give birth on the Jersey Turnpike and Kay's just talking to the guy and Jay's just being flipped around in the background <laughs> and they're just casually looking over like oh he's doing great <laughs> don't worry he does this all the time <laughs> I think the, I, okay so now that you mentioned that um I think the scene where Jay was like oh he's kind of cute and then the thing throws up like this placenta nasty alien regurgitation stuff that's that's pretty gross My favorite moment of that scene is at the end when Jay's sitting in the car covered in alien baby vomit and Kay just looks over and says, any of that seem unusual to you? Right. (laughs) And his face is like, all of this. (laughs) He just looks so irritated. Yeah, yeah, this, this thing holds up. It's the best of the franchise by a mile. And it's a great watch. It's, you know, it's fun. I watch it with my family all the time. I'll throw it on for kicks. It's it's great. Uh, so let's see what some other people thought as we go into Letterboxd and take a look at what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? So on this segment, we check out the Letterboxd, uh, the web- movie website Letterboxd, which is a social media film review website for film nerds where we we can kind of rank and review movies that we love or hate give a one to five star rating and just talk about movies with other people who love movies it's a great site uh men in black is rocking a 3.6 out of five stars which is pretty good and um i have three reviews here that i hope will uh at least make you chuckle uh this first one's from felipe did Vincent D'Onofrio actually get possessed by an alien or are human beings really capable of acting like that? Four stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's so good. It's like, if he actually was possessed by an alien bug, I, I would, I believe it. You're right. <laughs> uh, this next one's from Casey Malone. I genuinely forgot that I was going to hear the Men in Black song until it came on during the credits and I gasped. Four stars. Yeah. <laughs> No, that one, yes. I don't like I said, it's a nostalgia throwback thing. So when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, I do remember that. It it was it really took me back. So I resonate. 
I resonate. He did a song for part two that like nobody remembers. Well, yeah. And then Pitbull did the one for part three, which again, nobody remembers. Oh, I definitely don't remember that one. <laughs> I didn't even know he did it. <laughs> wow. This last one's from Comic Book Fan. This is still a great film, still holds up. This is a great 90s sci-fi action comedy that's fast-paced, imaginative, not too long, had some brilliant creature designs from Rick Baker, and is funny with a great script delivered by the cast. Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith have great chemistry, and I like the contrast between Tommy Lee Jones' moody older guy and Will Smith's youthful energy. It's directed with great creativity and energy by Barry Sonnenfeld and has a Steven Spielberg feel. The effects are still quite good. Some have dated, but it doesn't hurt the film. New York looks brilliant, and Vincent D'Onofrio makes a good, creepy villain. This is the best Men in Black film. Well said, comic book fan. It really does just cover all the bases. This is a comfort food movie. If you like this kind of movie, this is where you're going to go. I concur. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, Yeah, that about covers it. Any other, uh, anything else you want to mention about Men in Black? I feel like that thug pug doesn't get enough credit. To be honest, I feel like there should be more memes about it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I resonate 100% with that. So I love when Jay, uh, Kay's interrogating him and some people walk past are like, what the hell? And Jay's like, no, no, the, the dog owes my friend money. It's fine. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Will Smith. Well, yep. Fantastic. I wonder how much was improvised in this movie with Will Smith. Like how many lines were just like thrown off the cuff? Mm, that would be good to investigate do they do that in like behind the scenes yeah you can yeah so, um trivia sites and stuff will tell you like certain lines are improvised. like i know when he uh when he jumps off the bridge when he's chasing the guy at the beginning and he lands on the bus and he goes it's just raining black people in new york that was improvised <laughs> wow <laughs> oh that's cool yeah i love i do like when he like runs into the guy and he's like this means like NYPD means I will knock your punk ass down. I was yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah, it's a classic. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. This was a, this was a really fun show. If you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com or, of course, send us a message through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Check out our letterboxed accounts for daily reviews. You can search me at Connor95, and in my friends list, you can find the rest of the team. Check out our website, filmgasm.com, where I have a link to my letterbox. If you want to read reviews, you can also find articles, trailers of upcoming films in every episode of our show. If you'd like to become a monthly donor to Filmgasm Productions, feel free to click on the link in the episode description. From there, click on Support This Podcast. You can choose to donate a dollar a month if you like us, $5 a month if you love us, and $10 a month if you can't live without us. All donations go right back into the podcast, funds, movie rentals, advertising, recording equipment. We appreciate any donations. Thanks very much. Thanks to the entire Filmgasm team for their constant friendship and contributions to the show. Austin Johnson, Caleb Leger, Josh Allred, Colton Jenkins, Christian Aguilar, Isabel Gonzalez, Jeremy Johnson, Adam Johnson, and Maja Pierce-Lewis. Thanks to Cooley Cow for our awesome theme music. Thanks to you for checking out our show and making it this far. Remember to take a look at the stars from time to time. Maybe we're not alone. Maybe we haven't been for a long time. Take it easy. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you next week.